Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to the Enterprise Architecture Radio. If you're thinking about organizational complexity and agility, if you're concerned about operational efficiencies and thinking of taking it to the next level, if managing innovation is one of your priorities, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we talk about all of that and more. It's a jungle out there, and we'll attempt to navigate this jungle of frameworks, methods, and most importantly, enterprise architecture in practice. Many years ago, when I was in school and college, my father bought me a cassette player. For people who don't know what a cassette player is, it used to be a player and there used to be a tape-based, magnetic tape-based cassette, which we used to play. I mean, music used to be encoded into that magnetic tape and um, we used to play it. The cassette player used to play music. Now, what we used to do back then was we would go to a shop and then we would buy individual cassettes that would have music in it. So there would be an album in which there would be about, you know, depending upon what the album is, about five to eight songs. And and we could turn it around. So four songs on one side. So we could play it on one side and it'll be, you know, four songs and then, or five songs, and then turn it around and another five songs. So about 10 songs in an audio cassette. You know, and one of my regular complaints was that there is no album that uh, really has many good songs. So every album would come with one or two good songs and the rest of the songs would be boring. You know, whether I buy a original motion picture soundtrack or whether I buy a album released by a band or whatever, usually I would end up liking one or two songs and, you know, I would still have to pay for the entire album, which is not something that I like. Now, locally in some places uh, in India, uh, there was these music shops that started doing assorted songs. It, it would be a cassette to cassette recording and they would sell it as an album. Technically, it's not really an album. I'm not sure whether it's piracy or what have you. But the point is they started selling some assorted songs. But even those were according to their preferences. And even those, they were slightly better than the regular albums because the popular songs would all be there. But you don't like all the popular songs either. But then slowly, the time changed. And today, we have Apple Music, we have Spotify, we have um, so many different music services that that give us the flexibility to buy a subscription, right? And then I can listen to whatever song I want to, I can build a playlist, and, I'm, and that's not piracy. Technology has changed. But this is not a sudden change. And, and the audio cassettes were also not the first in their uh, line of evolution. Before audio cassettes, we had vinyl records which were very delicate and very difficult to maintain and full of impurities. But I know a whole class of people who still enjoy vinyl records, who still enjoy the impurities in the music that was recorded um, in its original form. But after vinyl records, there were audio cassettes and then there was compact discs or CDs and then we had DVDs and, you know, and so on and so forth. And ultimately it evolved into MP3. And then a new revolution started of piracy where there was peer-to-peer music, there was uh, Napster and various other uh, peer-to-peer download services which were not all legal and uh, there was a huge piracy revolution where people just downloaded whatever they want to or uploaded whatever they want to and 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 the way that the industry reacted is they tried to control the piracy and that's when the genius of um, Steve Jobs, he invented the idea that 
you know, I'm going to upload the music, I'm going to buy the licenses for that music and I'm going to sell each song individually and I'm going to start a subscription model. And and slowly the industry was taken by storm and uh, everybody started giving this subscription service. You know, we have various uh, uh, companies providing a subscription service for music, for uh, movies, for all kinds of entertainment and and not just entertainment. The subscription model has actually become quite popular in all kinds of businesses. So the industry is evolving. Technology is changing the way we do business. Earlier, when computers were invented and, and we came up with the idea of being able to use computers uh, for for business, we used to go to these technical people who used to work with computers and we used to tell them, I would like the computer to do accounts for me. So what we were really doing was we were digitizing our menial activities, our manual physical activities, and we were converting them into electronic format primarily. And that was the job of IT back then. But slowly what happened is, you know, technology advanced in such a way that we started thinking of business from a technology standpoint. What that means is, uh, how can we change the way we do business and leverage this technology instead of asking the technology to adjust to the business parameters and business models we started changing the business models to leverage the new technologies for example the music example that i was giving you mp3 is a format which was a technological development you know we started listening to music in the mp3 format on computers and then slowly devices were invented that could that could use this mp3 format um, we could use them to listen to music, which essentially paved the path towards the subscription model of music. What I'm trying to say is if the electronic format would not have been there, that could be downloaded, uploaded over the internet, we would still be using audio cassettes. And So when technology changes, when there is technological advancement, it paves the way for business model changes as well. You know, So today, technology is literally revolutionizing the way we do business. There are uh, so many changes that are happening and and everything is smart now. You know, it started with a smartphone and we used to call it smartphone primarily because it was internet connected. But the meaning of everything smart is also changing. If it is connected to the internet, it is no longer smart, right? It has to do more than just be connected to the internet. It has to provide us with capabilities that could ease our life. So, Voice commands, for example. Now I can tell my mobile phone that. Um, search the internet for XYZ or find me the nearest restaurant where I can go and have lunch or uh, or where can I stay for the night and so on and so forth. I can talk to my uh, phone instead of having to use an interface that is clunky like a keyboard or what have you. It's become smarter, right? It can automatically go and search. And, uh, and with the advent of large language models like OpenAI and ChatGPT, they are making devices even more smarter. And and this is still quite advanced. I'm thinking 10 years ago, um, I used to have a music app on my Windows mobile phone. I used, at that time, I used to use a Windows mobile phone. Actually, not 10 years ago. It's 15, 20 years ago. I used to use a Windows phone, which was a smartphone. Well, smart enough. And um, there's an app on that. There's a music app. And personally, I've found that music app to be the best so far. Uh, from an intelligence standpoint, uh, I would play some music and it would understand what kind of a mood I am in, you know, what kind of songs I would like to listen to. And then it would continue to play 
other songs which are of that mood. So I would, you know, get an opportunity to listen to a lot of new music that I've never heard before, which I can add to a list and then, you know, and then the list becomes smarter and smarter. The phone becomes, the app becomes smarter and smarter and it understands better and better what kind of music I'm listening to. And today we have other apps that do that, but not as well as that app. I don't even remember the name of that app anymore. So my point is, things are becoming smarter and just being connected to the internet is no longer a definition of smart anything and everything is becoming smarter you know i also remember about 15 20 years ago reading an article about uh, about a man who had designed a smart home using visual basic and he was using antiquated technology like pressure sensors under the floorboard right uh, and biometrics at the door so when he enters he uses a a fingerprint to essentially identify himself and, and the door opens up and, and the thermostat kicks in depending upon his preferences in the room that he's moving into. And he would have pressure sensors under the, the floorboards. So basically the computer system would track where he's walking in the house. That way it would, uh, it would know the location of that person. Uh, and it would do that for all the family members, you know. By biometrics, they identify the person and then the pressure sensors under the floorboard ensure that they know the location of each person and, you know, and, and, and environmental factors like the, the thermostat or the air conditioning would automatically kick in, uh, based on the preferences of that particular person and so on and so forth. So, and this was 15, 20 years ago. And you can imagine how much technological advancement we've done in the last couple of last 15, 20 years. And every single thing that we look at these days is smart. It knows who we are. It knows what we like, what we don't like, where we are, how we are. It knows about our physical traits. Like I have a smartwatch that constantly monitors my you know, pulse rate. I have a friend who was alerted by the Apple Watch about a coming heart attack. And he immediately went to the doctor and he had to immediately go into surgery. And practically his life was saved by the smartwatch. So it knows how we are. It knows where we are. It knows... Many, many things about our preferences, about what we like, what we don't like. And based on that, you know, it uses that data to, well, sometimes make our life convenient, but other times make our life inconvenient as well by giving us pop-up ads of products that we may decide to buy and so on and so forth. But what I'm trying to say is everything is becoming smarter and smarter and, and faster, right? Everything is becoming faster as well. And in fact, the definition of speed has changed over a period of time. And if you look at the technological advancement that we've done over the years, to give you an example, the first typewriter. The original concept of typewriter was conceived first in 1575. And then it was productionized in somewhere around 1875. So it took about 300 years for the typewriter to go from conception to manufacturing. And if you look at the iPhone, it was originally conceived in 2004, and then it went into production in 2007. Three years straight, conception to production. So the speed at which technology is changing is increasing at a, a exponential level, which raises many, many different questions. You know, it raises the question of, are we ready to accept this technological explosion that's coming? How is it going to impact the humanity? But that's not what I'm talking about. When we think about digital in the enterprise, when we think about technologies in the enterprise, we need to understand that the speed at which the technology is changing is also increasing at an exponential rate, which means organizations and industries need to adapt 
to these changing technologies at a higher and higher speed. And and while it sounds a daunting problem, and we have uh, two schools of thought here. One school of thought obviously thinks that humanity has adapted over the years, you know, when the printing press came, when the typewriter came, when, you know, uh, Industry 1.0, 2.0, and so on, so happened. Human beings adapted, right? Initially, we went through a little bit of a problem where some people went out of business and lost jobs, what have you. But over a period of time, we advanced our knowledge, we advanced our skill set, and, and we adapted to the changing technologies. So we are going to do the same going forward as the technology changes, as the speed increases, so will the speed of humanity increase. Also, we are using technology to adapt to technology, right? We are not all humans, right? We are now augmented with technology. Everybody has a mobile phone. The mobile phone has practically become a part of a human body. Is there a time when you don't have a mobile phone with yourself? You wake up in the morning and you pick up the phone. And and I practically wear the watch all day long, right? Except for 45 or 30 minutes of charging, uh, I carry the mobile phone as a part of my body. So we are all augmented now. And and adapting to changing technologies is going to be not that difficult or not impossible because technology is going to augment us to make sure that we adapt quicker, right? And then there is the other school of thought that's saying that you know, we are approaching a technological singularity and that you know, the speed at which the technology is increasing is also increasing at an exponential rate. And there is going to come a time when we will not be able to adapt anymore, right? We are going to fall behind and then technology is going to take over. And then there are some people who think about apocalyptic scenarios where artificial intelligence takes over the world and the Terminator, I don't know, universe, what have you. But we are not going there. What I'm trying to say is organizations will need to augment themselves quicker. They'll need to uh, think about security. They need to think about their policies. They'll think about bureaucracy and red tape and and think about how they can be, improve the turnaround times and they can improve the, uh, you know, the, the speed at which they can adapt to technologies. And if you really think about it, you know, enterprise technologies are much slower than consumer technology, right? I have a Surface Pro as a personal laptop and I have an old HP laptop for my office work, right? My personal laptop is much faster than my office work. My personal phone is a lot more faster than my office phone and so on and so forth. And the reason is that, you know, when you're working with enterprise data, security and so on are concerns that we need to take care of. And and policies are there to make sure that we don't do something that's dangerous. But then if you really think about it, I don't have any viruses on my personal laptop. The risk is there. I could be hacked. But then the probability of me getting hacked is much lower than the probability of an enterprise getting hacked. So there are so many uh, concerns that we need to take care of when we are talking about enterprise technological uh, adaptation. And we need to take care of all of those things. Um, so which brings us to the idea that the people perspective of enterprises are is also going to have to change. Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics is going to become more and more important as technological advancement happens. That's one. Because we are not going to be working on standard technologies. Data entry, for example, is long gone. Similarly, the programmers, today we, we, are, we are looking at technological advancements like Copilot, which is going to augment programmers, right? So programmers are going to become, they're not going to have to worry about syntax, uh, what have you, which means they will need to think about logic, think about how to do the programming, think about design. Slowly, design is also going to be taken over by technology. So we'll have to keep on moving one step ahead right? So STEM uh, education is going to become important, but more important than STEM education, and that this is just my perspective, 
is going to be the liberal arts as defined by ancient Greece and Rome. Liberal arts is a study of philosophy, ethics, morality. It's the study of art, music and the creative pursuits, painting, sculpture, creative writing, what have you. Because these things are what give humanity their original base and foundation. Also, as technologies start getting advanced, right? And I've talked about this in my previous episode about, about biases in artificial intelligence, right? Um, we will need to be very careful about our own biases. And there's no human being on this planet that does not have a bias. And you know, I'll cover that as a, as a part of one of my future uh, episodes. But we have to be very careful about how we treat people, how we try to keep our biases in check, make sure that we don't discriminate against people for the wrong reasons. See, it's very important for us to discriminate. Don't get me wrong. Simple things such as when you interview a candidate for a job position, what are you doing? You're discriminating a candidate from all the other candidates, but you're doing it on the basis, on the right basis. You're doing it on the on, on the person's capability, on the person's ability to do the job properly or to uh, function in that role properly. And that discrimination is good, or should I call it filtering? Basically, discrimination is filtering, right? Uh, when we start doing discrimination, not based on capability, but based on race, religion, gender, based on our likes and dislikes about something that is unrelated to the topic, that is bad discrimination. So biases you can't get rid of. It is impossible to get rid of biases. That is how human brain is designed. But, but, um, but having the right biases, making sure that we treat people properly, is something that's going to be very important for human beings to learn because that's what we are going to teach the technologies. And technologies can do stuff hundreds of thousands of times better than we can. So we better make sure that we teach the right things to the technology because if we teach the technologies to discriminate on the wrong basis, um, they can do it hundreds of times better than we can. And that's not going to be good for humans. So, so, so the people perspective is going to change. We are going to have to focus more on philosophy, ethics, morality, on things that make human life better, more creative. That's all I have for you today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. More about organizational agility, innovation, and enterprise architecture in the practical world, in the business, right here on the show. But before I end the show, I want you to help me out with this one little thing. Pause the show and share this podcast via WhatsApp, or text message with at least one person who might be interested in the show. It could be anyone, your colleague, your boss, someone in your team. That's all I ask. Just one share with one message via text or WhatsApp or any social media of your choice. And it would go a long way in supporting this podcast and growing this listener base. Also, please don't forget to follow the podcast. That way, you'll get notified when we publish a new episode. If you want to find out more about us, you can find us at enterprisearchitectureradio.com. If you have ideas, thoughts, disagreements, please feel free to write to me directly. Uh, we also have a Telegram group if you would like to contribute to the EA discussions or what have you. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio on Telegram. Or the URL to join the group is https colon slash slash t.me slash enterprisearchitectureradio. While our contact details are there in the show notes, we are very easy to find. Just search for Enterprise Architecture Radio anywhere. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, even Discord. Once again, I hope you had fun and I'll see you in the next one.